Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Cohen-Hatton. I'm a neuroscientist specialising in animal and human learning mechanisms. I'm Jamie Penrith. I specialise in canine predatory behaviour and I'm also a former police dog handler. And I'm Danny Wells. I'm a dog trainer that specialises in unwanted canine behaviour. And every week we sit down to talk about the latest research in canine science. And more importantly, how you can apply it to your own dogs to get to know them even better. Welcome to the Dog Scholar. I have a question. Go on. What is your question? My question is, are dogs trying to talk to us? Do your dogs talk to you? If they do, they probably mimic me, so they probably talk a lot of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They talk in a scouse accent. Yeah, imagine, yeah. Red's quite vocal. Red yeah. talks a lot. She goes like, oh, 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 like that. Well, like, that's exactly... Yeah, no, yeah. I'm not doing it again. Yeah. You heard it the first time. I don't know when she's talking it's, then. It's, it's yeah. a one-time only thing. That, yeah. She does. She's really, really vocal. And then, like, you'll come in the room and she'll get excited and she'll go like... Like yeah. that, like she's making a funny yeah, trumpet yeah. noise, and Luther will just look at her and go, "Yeah, rough." The, the main, the main talk, and I get from my dogs is, um, you know, like when there's a, you know, you don't hear it, but as we discovered in previous um, episodes, dogs can hear like four times better than us. What? So, so they'll hear something. You're not getting me on that one, Mrs. <laughs> um, early hours in, in in the morning, I just hear like, buh, 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 like, like a warning. I've heard something. And normally I'm in my sleep and Charlotte will say to me, I just go, stand down, it's fuck all. The only thing that really, really springs to mind is something that is, you know, um, common with one of my older Labradors is uh, barking for attention to be oh. let in ah, from yeah. somewhere else. Like so she's outside. Rhythms to the bar. Yeah, yeah. there's a real yeah. rhythmic, woo, woo. Yeah. Woo, woo. Like that, yeah. a bit of a longer pause between it. But it, yeah. that would go on for a long period of time. Never used to do it yeah. when she was it's, younger. It's almost like it's, whoa, whoa, listen for a response. Yeah. Give another one. Listen for a response. Yeah. 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 It's mad, really, because she'll sometimes do it. You can be in the kitchen and then you'll go out into the hallway or something, close the door. And after like 10 seconds, she'll do it and you go in. She's not even there. She's not even at the door. <laughs> waiting. It's just almost like a conditioned yeah. response yeah. that the closing of a door means I'll do that. And like yeah. I say, something that developed with age. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy's got a funny voice. Jimmy's got quite a deep voice for such a little dog. Oh, yeah. And if, if someone knocks the door and they're barking, they're expecting this really big dog. And, yeah, and then that, Jimmy's that not. appears at yeah, the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like then Luther White. comes around the corner yeah. and they're like, oh, stand yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, they open the door and go like, whoa, chihuahua with alopecia. Poor Jimothy. <laughs> my uh, my terrier doesn't do um, doesn't do the, the the whole barking or talking thing, but he when he wants to come in, it's hilarious. He literally goes like the window, and he's tiny, but he can jump. Yeah. and you just see like this head, woo, woo, just jumps and just like looks at yeah, jumps again, looks at yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> like on a trampoline. I often lock him out just to see it. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what? There's something about the way that dogs have evolved <laughs> their vocalisations. And I started to look into this. It's really interesting. And did you know that compared to other canids, like wolves and coyotes, they are they have a much, much broader range of vocalisations. Yeah. They talk a lot more. And it might have developed to speak to humans across species in a way that coyotes and wolves haven't needed to. Did you know, for example, if you take barking, dogs will bark as a greeting. They'll do it to initiate play, to seek contact. They'll do it when they're in pain and when they're lonely and in defence or when they're threatened. Wolves, for example, only bark for the latter two when they're in defence or when they're threatened. And coyotes will only do it when mm -hmm. they're feeling threatened. So a completely yeah. different way that they use the same yeah. vocalisation. Only dogs will pant when they want to initiate play. No, no, mm -hmm. None of the others do. And also it's similar with yelps. And this, this one was really interesting for me. And it goes back to the point about 
the way that dogs can be quite juvenile in comparison to, to wolves and coyotes. Dogs will yelp to greet, they'll yelp to initiate play, to show submission in defence, to threaten, to seek contact when they're in pain and when they're lonely. Only newborn wolves and coyotes do that to seek contact or when they're in, pa in pain. Mm. So it's really, really different. But even within dogs, there are differences within breeds, aren't there? There are some dogs that don't bark very much yeah, as yeah. a breed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a few. We've got we've got a few listed there, haven't we? Basenji, Chow Chow, yeah. Sharpays. Yeah. Um, some Sharpays dog, probably some because they're so Some dogs just don't bark at all. They howl like huskies. Yeah. Malnutes do, do yeah. a lot of that, don't yeah. they? And, and, yeah, and we bred dogs to, you know, if, if I'm working with a, a pack of dogs and they're at distance from me and, I, and I'm hunting with them, mm. I'm not talking about hunting mm. in today's way of hunting necessarily, but, you know, traditionally as the hunter-gatherer yeah. and you're going out and you want to know where your prey is, if you've got a dog that will bark or howl or yeah. vocalise mm. or let you know when it's on the scent of that animal yeah, yeah. so you can yeah. think, right, I don't need to expend yeah. energy doing this, that yeah. and the other. My yeah. dog's got it right. I'm going to breed from that dog. Yeah, and I'm yeah. going to breed with other dogs that do oh, that yeah. because we want more of it. That's a very beneficial yeah. and trait. And you'll some see breed it, standards yeah. have got a specific yeah. bark listed, haven't they? Like the, the Transylvanian Hound, for example, their breed standard says that when they find a fresh scent, they should yap with a whining sound. Yeah, yeah. It's oh. like if, if you've got, if you've got, an, um, if you've got a well-bred Labrador, or spaniel and they're really vocalising. It's a, it's a good telltale sign that something's going a little bit wrong because mm. they they they're bred to be very quiet. You yeah. never hear a peep out of Flint like unless he's having a dream at night or he's Aww. spooked and he gives you that woof woof. But you'll never hear a, a peep out of him as a Labrador. Even and you see it in in like field trials, gun dog gun dog working tests. Even if the dog yawns, that's a disqualification. Like yeah. you, you're done because the idea of that is you need to be silent and not spook birds and yeah. things. So well, yeah. there is something in that because dogs and wolves shared a common ancestor anywhere between 12 and 50,000 years ago, depending on which research you read. But some researchers suggested that wolves would howl to communicate over longer distances. And as dogs became more domesticated, yeah. they developed barking to communicate with people over a shorter distance. Yeah, yeah. So there is something about how yeah. they've been bred. And if you think about it with wild dogs, it'd be maladaptive, yeah, wouldn't yeah. it, for them to bark and scare yeah. off their prey if they were yeah. overly noisy. And that, that howl is contagious. It would also be collectively they oh! would do it. Yeah, yeah. They would also. Oh, yeah. thank God for Danny! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, uh, Look at that fun sponge <laughs> on the ground. What are you two doing? <laughs> they would, uh, yeah, they would howl collectively and let other nearby wolves know that they're in a certain territory, wouldn't they? they it, it was a way of communicating to probably reduce conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Sab, is there any research that shows they have different barks for like different contexts or yeah, things like that? There yeah. is actually. I found one study that recorded dogs over a three-month period, various breeds, and they recorded different situations. So all disturbance situations, like when the doorbell rang, for example, they recorded them when they got isolated from their owner, so when they were locked in a room and they were separated, and also in play situations, whether they were playing with another dog or with a human. And then they analysed the barks of the computer programme to see whether or not there were different kind of barks for different situations, thereby different woofs, decoding the woofs and seeing whether dogs were using some kind of very rudimentary language. And they definitely, definitely differed according to the situation. So for example, at disturbance situations, those kind of barks were really harsh, low-pitched barks. And they were also quite long in duration because they were fused like super barks. You think about it when the doorbell rings and your dog's kind of like really going for it, aren't they? It's not like they bark, stop, bark, stop. They're kind of going for it all the way along. And I'm sure Jamie's gonna do an amazing impression for us. Give me a doorbell. <laughs> <laughs> Ding dong. <laughs> 
That was oh, actually really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like having Luther in the room. It was really good. That, Amazing. Yeah. yeah, it was really good. For isolation and play barks, uh, yeah. it was it was very different. It was much more tonal and higher frequency. So if you were playing with a dog now, what noise would it make? Go on, do it for me. Uh, my dogs don't sort of like, um, yeah, they don't bark when I'm playing with them. Imagine you with a dog that is And that's that, that arousal and driving them. They, yeah. they, they, they wait and anticipate the next move. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 um, I mean, I was working with one recently, you know, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, with an owner where when we're walking along the dog's sort of like I won't say what breed it was but it's a, a gun dog breed mm. and it's not a Labrador but when we're w walking along the dog's walking along and sniffing and then when we stopped and it was sort of like okay you you got to wait now the dog almost like couldn't handle that it just became a conditioned response yeah. as to just yeah. bark and bark and bark and bark and what I, I suspected and what I asked and what actually uh, turned out to be the case as far as I can recall is you know, I said what 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 the person would do was wait for a break in that barking and then scatter some food or yeah. move on with the dog. So it just became that conditioned response. Yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? But yeah. I personally, I could. I know there's some breeds that you can't help it because it's just what they are bred to do and yeah. that, that sort of like barking. Um, that would drive me nuts. Yeah, yeah that yeah, would drive yeah. me nuts. Yeah. If every My time I silent. stopped, the dog was started barking yeah. because it would. I added in, but there are there are differences though with the way as this has found there are yeah, differences. Yeah. And for example, with isolation barks, so when a dog was separated and it was it was anxious about it, it would like it would bark on its own and then wait rather than barking in a cluster. So it's like woof, woof. It's like almost like they're listening. Like hello, is there any action? Is there anyone yeah. there? Yeah. yeah, you know. These findings were in line with the kind of rule system that most mammals and birds use to communicate, and it's called Morton's motivational structural rules. And it means that you're using harsh, low frequency sounds to signal hostility. You're using high pitched tonal sounds when you're friendly or when you're frightened, and it affects the listener by affecting their attention or their arousal. You hear something low and low pitched and harsh and you think, uh-oh. If you say to, to somebody, if you're issuing a threat, you wait until your mum gets home, you wait until your dad gets home, you don't go, you wait until your mum gets home because it doesn't really carry the same sort of gravitas, does yeah. it? And equally, if somebody said, I said, you're not doing it, or you wouldn't go, I said. I think individual dogs have got their own voices as well. I, if one of mine goes, I know exactly which one is Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. You, you, they've got different tones, pitches. Yeah. You, you know which dog's which. Yeah. How good are people at recognising what dogs are actually trying to say? Does the science say anything? I did find one study that found that people were actually quite good at, at trying to differentiate between how the dog was feeling, depending on how they were barking. And it's amazing because dogs are one of very few species that will deliberately signal vocally to another species. And in yeah. this case, it's us. Actually, another example is the honey guide birds who help African tribe people find beehives in the forest. Yeah. Only other ones. But dogs are living in their natural environment when they're in a human family because that's how they've been bred. That's how they grow up. It is essentially for all intents and purposes for a domestic dog. That is their natural habitat. Now, people with different ranges of experience with dogs were asked to listen to recordings of dogs. So some people had dogs a long time. Some people hadn't had dogs ever before. And they listened to the dogs barking at a stranger, barking before they attacked a human. So it was people doing um, bite work, like a protection dog. It was dogs that were excited about going for a walk, a dog tied to a, um, a tree and left on its own. That's not very nice. I don't think that's very ethical in this experiment, but that's another story. Dogs barking for a ball and dogs barking during play. And they had to rate barks on a scale for their emotional state to see how friendly they were, how aggressive they were, how fearful they were, whether or not they were despairing, whether they were playful, whether they were happy, that kind of stuff. We tend to, as people, attribute quite a strong emotional content to different barks. Even non-owners, mm. people who'd never had a dog before, could go, yeah, that dog's a bit mad or 
that dog's mm. quite friendly, actually, I think. So, you know, there are some basic rules for mammals to follow when they're communicating, as we heard in the previous study. But for me, this was a really good mm. example about how that can follow through. So even if you've never had a dog, you can still get that. It's it's interesting that the, that the science says that people are quite good at uh, understanding what the dogs are trying to convey, because I work with a young um, poodle cross, and the lady brought it to me because... She was barking excessively on the on the lead. The lady was. Um, yeah, yeah, she was off her head. She was absolutely off her head. Yeah. So the dog was barking excessively on the lead, and she'd been working with a um, uh, behaviorist, and the dog was on uh, uh, medication for anxiety. And when she came to me, it was quite obvious that the dog was frustrated. I would I would say what we'd say barrier frustration. The dog wanted to get to things around it because obviously they'd been letting the dog run around with other dogs and things. Once they at the end of the lead, they get really frustrated mm. and they start to bark. Now, granted. Anxiety is present, but if anyone gets themselves in a state, you're always going to feel anxious as a byproduct of that state. But I mean, what this study found was quite broad. It was yeah, yeah. happy or, or angry, arguably. So that one might be more subtle. Mm. So the barrier frustration might just sound like an aggressive dog. So they might not have been able to kind of subcategorize. Well, they could categorize the fact that it's in a negative emotional state. They might not have been able to break that down mm. subtly enough to tell you that that's barrier frustration versus aggression. People are taught as children. You don't have to have dogs to say, well, keep away from that one. Because yeah. the dog's going, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. do you know what I mean? And, and so you can generally, life will give you that sort of expectation, yeah, yeah. whether yeah. you've had a dog or not you know, you can still have an understanding of what barking means. I think it'd be an interesting study to see if you had people who came from a country where there were no dogs. Do you know what I mean? And, ha yeah. and had those people. That would be interesting, wouldn't yeah. it? And we'll be right back after the break. When dogs are vocalising, what's happening in not just the dog's brain, but our brain as well? What's what's going on? Yeah, well, it, barking is communicating, isn't yeah. it? So it's being heard as well as being done. So there's stuff going on in the brain. Now, one study scanned the brains of both dogs and people while they were listening to clips of vocalisations. It was dog vocalisations and human vocalisations. Now, these vocalisations were either positively or negatively emotionally charged. They were either really happy or really angry and, and, and things like that. And the scan showed very similar sound sensitive regions in the brains of both dogs and humans. So they're definitely processing emotions based on the things that they hear. Mm -hmm. Now in humans, it was a weaker effect. They heard that for human, but not dog vocalization. So what we were seeing here was the dogs responding really clearly to the emotional sound of people's voices, but humans weren't as great at doing the same back for dogs. So we need to up our game, gents. Yeah, yeah. We are not as good so as dogs are. again, the dogs were responding emotionally to people's voices. Yeah, they were recognizing. The people weren't responding emotionally to dogs' voices. Yeah, not responding emotionally, but recognizing the emotion. They're processing the emotion in people yeah. Better than the people were processing the emotion. I think I think that voices. I think that makes sense though because we're not when you're in a training situation with your dog and you're trying to teach you, you your objective is to teach a specific command. The dog's primary job, just the way that whole exercise unfolds, is to observe and it's in their best interest to learn and get onto it because mm -hmm. and, and sorry and understand because they want to produce what the, the reward they can produce. Yeah. Our, our mindset is not about listening. It's about giving that information and observing the outcome. So it was also the first evidence that any non-human animal, including primates, have got specific brain machinery to, to process emotion. 
mm. in voices. I mean, for me, this just blows my mind with dogs because everyone talks about how close primates are to humans and genetically, yes, and evolutionary, yes. But when you look at the way that dogs' brains have evolved and how sensitive they are to us, do you know what? Give me a dog mm. over a gorilla any day. Yeah, I yeah. think they're more attuned. Yeah, I think they're more attuned because they've they've been with us and yeah. they've and say dare I say saved us for yeah. so long. So we've selectively bred them to coexist with us. And the gorilla might try and eat you. So you know, if your dog associates a stern voice with a, with a verbal scolding, you know, if on one particular day you're not in the right frame of mind to be training your dog and you go down, that tone of voice can make them not comply with that command yeah. because they equate that to oh. Uh, am I in trouble? Yeah. And now you convince yourself that you know this and you're just ignoring me when it's not. You've got to yeah. be careful about how you say yeah. things as well, haven't you? But, you know, when you think about um, a mother and their whelping pup, there is something about the emotionality in the in the vocalisations that they're using there as well. Because, you know, they can really sternly tell off a pup. Oh, Jamie's got some cracking footage of um, his litters and I think it went viral, didn't it? Cause... It's very, very easy to attribute blame towards a dog for not doing something, whereas in actual fact, it's the way that you're projecting the the instruction that you're giving says something other than what the instruction, mm. what you intend the instruction to mean. And I think it, understanding that if I want something to be short and stern, if I want it, this is an absolute thing you need to do it, then give it a short and stern response. You don't need to bellow it or anything like that, but short and stern and knowing that that just naturally, you know, yeah. it, it conveys yeah. that requirement, doesn't it? And likewise, like you, you were joking earlier on about with a recall, if I'm wanting something to be speedy, if I'm wanting something to be joyful, if I'm wanting an interaction that's all playful, then naturally I'm not going to use deep, stern, you know, strict um, tones yeah, in, yeah. in the way that I project that. So just that natural ability. And a lot of people, it sounds basic, doesn't it? It sounds yeah. like just intuitive, yeah. but a lot of people struggle with they that. They really do. Maybe I should try that with Mike then for the jobs that he's left for six months. He's like, you don't need to nag me. You told me like six months ago. Oh, Maybe I've, I should I've go, witnessed... Could you please hang that painting, darling? It'd be really nice if it actually ended up in the wall and said, will you hang that painting before I have to pay someone to come in and do it? Yeah. yeah I think the second one's more likely, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably more likely to what he's used to. <laughs> I've, 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 I've seen that tone-induced fear in Mike. <laughs> right practical tips then guys what can people do practically with their dog in relation to their vocalizations yeah i also think that it's you know valuable to recognize that dogs aren't just barking for the sake of it yeah, yeah. it's not just something that you might find an annoyance or you mm. know uh, a bad habit and inconvenience or whatever but if, but if we can you know they're communicating yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, and might be know, very annoying but yeah. it's communicative yeah, nonetheless yeah. there might be a yeah. valuable reason behind yeah. why they're communicating there might be a way that you can change and address things so that yeah. you know that that behavior yeah, yeah. you either see more or less of, of it yeah. depending on what what you want yeah. demand the barking's a, a big one that um that um, clients I see are struggling with and what you have to remember with dogs is they live with like three outcomes in mind avoid discomforts indulge, indulge in pleasure and better your own situation for whatever reason if your dog's demand barking it believes to some extent that it's, it betters its situation. You have to think outside the box and think, how can I make this not better your situation? You might be someone who's cooking, your dog demands barking and you just drop something and now your dog is in habit thinking this will produce this every time. So understand what you're doing around your dog when they're doing these sorts of things. What about the list of questions? What have people been asking? Well, there's a couple of questions as per usual, funny enough. Um, but the first question that we've got, why does my dog talk back to me while I give him a command? E.g. if I ask him to sit, occasionally he will grumble, yap and refuse to do it. Oh, I love the grumble I would, bit. That's normally to do with you 
repeating yourself and the dog doesn't have clarity in the command, then frustration can build and the dog can start filling in those gaps with that sort of stuff, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. Frustration. If if you're giving a command to a dog and a dog starts barking at you, unless that command is for the dog to bark or is a sort of like precursor to something like going and searching that you know that you're activating the the excitement in the dog, then... Generally, that's a human problem, yeah. not a dog problem, and it's probably something in the way that you've, you know, built into the dog yeah. the expectation yeah, yeah. Of, of that reward. Yeah. You know, a dog that's grumbling at you when you tell it to sit—that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? Maybe I'll sit more nicely. You shouldn't be grumbling. You know, look at this. The, 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 are you putting spatial pressure on the dog? Are you asking mm. the dog to sit really in, in in its personal space? You might be doing something that's making the dog feel un- uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. But most of that, most of that, like barking when you're giving dogs command, is down to the dog not fully understanding the command. Oh, Always remember, if you're going to teach something, think of an order of command, action, reinforcement. So if I'm going to tell my dog to sit, I'll get them interested in something I have. I'll give them the command, sit, I'll law, so there's an action that follows, and then they will reinforce. Mm-hmm. So that's giving the dog no, no, no gaps to fill with any sort of, what's going on here? How do I get this? I'm, get, I'm getting frustrated, and that will manifest into barking. Uh, so that's normally equated to people going, sit, 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 again and again and again. I get, I get it with Luther sometimes when I'm trying to teach him something new, when he's cycling through behaviours to yeah. try to see whether or not he's doing something right because he's frustrated no. and he wants the reward. I made the mistake of trying to teach Luther to bark on command, um, but then he does it then whenever he's doing something new because he's like I know this one it must be this yeah yeah it was a mistake really yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, that, yeah it's definitely your fault yeah it was definitely my yeah. fault you can see it you know you can see that sort of like barking whilst they're flipping behaviours to try and access yeah. the reward that just can, can just come as a result my, my of- my dog, if you have something he wants, it puts him in a state of drive, which we've you cover the high state of arousal, and he will literally just go pie-eyed. So all of his eyes will be pupil, and he'll just chatter his teeth. And you know this is equal, another great bit of advice. If you see this in your dog, that is not the best time to be trying to teach your dog something new because the arousal is just so high that they're unable to comprehend new information, mm. and that can build frustration yeah, in your yeah. training, can't yeah. it? Yeah, a final thing on that from me as well is that going back to the grumbling when you're asking a dog to sit. That shouldn't be happening. Like I said, that, that you know, as Danny agreed as well, that shouldn't be happening. Um, I would be questioning what's happening as a result of the dog not sitting. You know, what, what action have you taken? Have you gone in there and made the dog sit, forced the dog to sit? You know, that's, that's something that rings alarm bells for me personally. And it's something that I would yeah. probably get hold of somebody who knows what they're talking about and ask them to cast an eye over that to be able to break it down for you and see exactly yeah. what's going on rather than yeah. just taking the advice yeah. of people mm. talking. Yeah. Just fi- um, just finishing on that on, on that point, if you're not working with a professional dog trainer, you don't really know what you're doing. If you're going to teach something new to your dog, it's always best for you to find a way for them to find out, the, work out the behavior themselves rather than you physically make that behavior happen. Yeah, yeah. agree. Yeah, agree. Okay, second question. You ready for it? It's a long one. Can dogs really explain themselves using touch buttons? Absolutely not. (laughs) I mean, I have no doubt that they're able to associate pushing a button with an action like... I know that you've trained a dog to ring a bell to go outside to use yeah, the, to, I mean, it's, to it's, toilet. That, that's that's possible. It's basic association of ideas. But what you're saying, Jamie? I think it's absolutely possible. Well, it isn't possible. It's doable. It's yeah. done. You know, yeah. you you can create a behaviour in a dog whereby you create the behaviour that pushing a button equals getting a particular outcome. Whether that's the door opens, whether that's food is presented, whether that's a a ball appears. Um, and you can then bring in a command that comes just before that behaviour happens, which then makes it look as though, because the command comes to say to the dog, oh, and if I push this button, hearing those words, then this toy is delivered or this food is delivered or that door opens. So it can make it look very easily as though I'm saying, do you want to go outside? 
push this button, that's what I associate with those words, door opens, I go outside, and it can make it look like I'm communicating my intent, whereas really what's happening is just a simple series of steps where, you know, commands are paired with behaviours that are paired with consequences, mm -hmm. and you create this behavioural sequence, which gives you your talking dog. I see this as a very simple response outcome sequence. Yeah. You can train a dog to press a lever and a treat will come out, right? You, you have some of those dog toys that you yeah. can do with that. We do it with rats. You teach the rat to press a lever and they can either get a sugar pellet or they can drink some sucrose drink. Something comes down that's sweet that they can drink. So for me, this is exactly the same. The dog has learned that that particular button will create this particular outcome. If I press this button, I know that I'll get this toy. If I push this button, I know that I'm going to get some food being brought to me. Yeah. If I push this button, someone's going to open a door and let me outside. So I've got no doubt that, in a, in a way, I guess, the dog is trying to talk. The dog is trying to communicate. I mean, we see it as talking. Well, through we their think basic about language, associative learning but mechanisms. But it's really basic. It's, this is what I want. Human, help me problem solve. Human, this is what I want. And this is how I know you're going to deliver it to me. Yeah. So I guess actually, I mean, I know yeah. that we're joking about it and it's mm. certainly not language yeah. in the way that we would have a conversation yeah. about how you're feeling, how was your day? Oh, this happened. Oh, you never guess I saw that Frenchie down the road again. And, oh, it was drama. Yeah, yeah. But they are trying to communicate in as much as do this. Thank you. That's great. That's what I wanted. But yeah. it, it's a very well, the, the, simple. You know, the relative it was. Like, let's say you put a a, a a button on on the on the left side of the door, and you've taught your dog to push that and go for a wee. If you put a button there that looks the same and it doesn't work, but you move the button that does work on the other side, they will still continue to push that yeah. same that same button until you train in, them. In, in, otherwise, until you train until you train them. Otherwise, so or what, until they do it by mistake. Yeah, and yeah, realize, yeah. And oh, they can learn, they can learn yeah. by trial and error. Yeah. So what, one thing I will point out is there's plenty of videos online, and they're they're really fun to watch. They are, they are really fun to watch. Mm. Um, but people claiming that the dog has like you know 200 vocabulary and comprehensively understands language. You might see them videos, but you don't see the two or three hundred outtakes of it absolutely going wrong. You don't see that. You just see the final edit. So, I wonder how many buttons they can learn. I'm not sure actually. I've seen I've seen uh, videos where they can do quite a lot. I've seen um, I've, I've seen a um, a border collie that uh, understands what um you know the, the the labels of toys and quite a lot of toys as well. Yeah. And um, I also seen that they added a new one, and just by process of elimination. It knew the it knew the new one, you know, because mm. they're clever. They're clever, aren't they? So the associations were for which toy, and obviously that took a lot of time to build up. But when there was a new one there, just through the process of elimination, the dog takes that takes that's that really one. Yeah. So but what, again, the, the that might have been filmed a million one. and one times, and it got wrong, and then eventually it gets yeah. right, and we use that clip. You know what the I mean? The dog went for the new one. Yeah, the dog oh, went really? for the yeah, the dog went for the new one. And I think it was a T. Get your T Rex. Get your ball. Get your get your teddy bear. Yeah, obviously, yeah. that's basic association. But they added something that the dog didn't know. Um, and then the dog took that one when they said it because it didn't recognise. But again, some of that is it, novelty. It could have got it wrong 60, 60 times. You know what I mean? You, you just don't know. Yeah. But some of that is novelty because if it's a new button and they know. No, no, a better button. Produces... It was toys. It was retrieving. Ah, it was retrieving. Yeah. I see. So basically, it was like get your ball, get your ball. Okay, we play ball. Go and get your rope. Now we play tug of war. Get your T Rex. Well, we'll play with your T Rex. And then when they said the new one. The dog's like, well, well, I'll take that. I don't ah, know. Yeah. Okay. But again, it weren't one it weren't one clip. It was it was edited. Yeah. So you don't know how many times a dog's got it wrong. Yep. So in a way, it's not that dogs are communicating with us because they want to prompt a conversation. 
they're responding to a command that we've given them. We've yeah. told them to do something and then they're recognizing that and pressing a button to get the response, yeah. to get the outcome from us. Yeah. So it's not that they're talking to us, it's that they're responding mm. to us, talking to them. Yeah. Who's ready for some dog icks? Go on, do it. <gasps> we've got Eva May from Shittington, Bedfordshire. No, she's not. And I shit you is not, she? that is a place. It yeah. is an actual place. Ooh, I've yeah. Googled all these to make and sure. I love the way she's kind of coined the term here. This is him. Same breed, strokers. And she's put then in 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 his speech marks, ooh, I've got a staffy at home. And then reaches out and tries to cuddle your dog. <laughs> that, that, can, that can be frustrating. You know, there's a lot of dog owners in the UK that are struggling with, you know, fearful aggression, you know, assertive aggression. Dogs that are just aren't going to appreciate it, might suppress it at the, at, the, at the sight of strangers invading this space. Um you know, we understand that we're a nation of dog lovers, but you you do need to be respecting dogs' personal space. I don't like it when people just go and try and touch something of yours anyway. I wouldn't mm. like it if someone was trying to touch me uninvited. They're, I think frankly. the same people who do that are the people who go like, oh, you're pregnant and touch uh, yeah, your stomach. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Oh, I hated yeah. that one. You're I like, whoa, pregnant. personal space. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it is just one of them things, like you say, whether it's breed or not. Yeah. You know, just just yeah, yeah. recognise the fact, oh, from a distance, oh, well, you know, I've got yeah. one of those, so I've had one of those. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You just yeah. keep a greedy pause yeah. to yourself. Exactly. Yeah, they're lovely, aren't they? Exactly. Yeah, Have a lovely yeah. day. Exactly. You know, and on you go. If it's not invited, don't do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, we've got Ali from, you ready? Honey Knob Hill, Wiltshire. Sounds sweet. Yeah, sounds sweet and meaty. <laughs> okay, she says... People who put their dogs in handbags. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you, Ali from Honey Knob Hill. Yeah. I totally agree. I am. Um, I had an inquiry a couple of years ago now, and it was just that I've got a, um, I've got a Chihuahua. I'm not wind. I've got a, um, a miniature Jack Russell, and he keeps destroying me makeup and things in me in me handbag. And I said, and and she went, well, I don't want him to do that. And I was like, I said, well, he's a dog. He's a dog, like, you know, especially Jack Russell, you know, they're bred to be crawling into dark holes and destroying things. Mm -hmm. And what you've just done is replicate, uh, you know, an urban hole. <laughs> you know what I mean? And she went, you know, you know what the response was? And I was mortified. Yeah, I, I, no, I do get that, but that's not what I bought him for. Oh, stop. That's, that's oh. honest to God. And, and I, I, I definitely lost the client. I, 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 I replied and said, with all due respect, you've bought a living sentient being that has like hundreds of years of, of purpose-bred genetics to it. You haven't bought a laptop that you can program mm. and then, you know, control. Is it, that it, Your dog is always going to do that. Can you, well, can you stop it? Well, yeah, I probably could, but it's not ethical to. Stop putting your dog in, in, in the handbag. Yeah. But do you know, I, I get that someone has a dog and they have an idea of mm. what it's going to be like. They have an expectation. And maybe even like a bit of a fantasy thing where they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to take my dog everywhere. It's going to be fantastic. The dog's mm. going to be beautifully behaved. I'm going to have to put minimal effort in and everything's going to be a daydream. And I get that you've got an expectation. You want something from it. But actually the reality can be really different. Personally, I don't like conceptually the idea of people putting dogs in handbags no. because I think it's treating your dog like a fashion accessory. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. And it's inviting conversation from others to go, oh, your dog, how cute. And it's about how you're presenting yourself as a person and the image that you want to give rather than actually really focusing on caring for your dog. So I don't like it personally. Yeah. It, it's a nick for me. I'm with you, Ali. The only time for me that there's ever any justification for carrying a dog in a handbag or in anything else is if the dog's physically yeah. suffering from any kind of yeah. impairment. I've seen dogs being carried in when our, our um, children were young and we had these little baby Bjorn body carriers. Yeah. And I've seen dogs being cockapoos. I'm not sorry to cockapoo owners. It's not against all of you, but it's cockapoos that I've seen yeah, yeah. being slotted into what yeah, is essentially 
a baby, baby carrier yeah. for a dog that's got four paws that's perfectly fit and healthy yeah. and carrying it along in that and they're things and it's not that, good for the dog's posture no, either that's no, unhealthy no, but, but you could just you know you could argue to your blue in the face with people saying yeah well oh don't be so miserable you know it's it, it's not doing any harm or such and such or but at the end of the day, it's unnecessary, and I'm I'm very you know if it's if it's not necessary, if it doesn't benefit the animal, it'd probably far rather have four paws on the ground and be walking along yeah. and sniffing every other dog's pee mail on the lamp posts or yeah. side of curbs or whatever that that, that they've left for it. Um, I like that pee mail. Like yeah, it's yeah. just it's just not a thing. I'm with you. It's yeah. not a thing that's. Um, you know, dogs aren't accessories, yeah. you know. It's yeah. a companion. It's part of your lifestyle. It isn't an accessory yeah. to your lifestyle. We could, have been, we could have been seen about three years ago with our little staffy in a pram. Um, we took him for a walk and that was the first... He, he, had, um, he had a spinal condition, which ultimately yeah. we, had to, we had to euthanize him for it last yeah. year. It was sad. Um, but the first sign of that was we were just on a normal walk and his legs just packed in. Oh. And, and um, Charlotte phoned me and said... Dan, Jeffrey can't walk. He's he's, he's literally his leg, his back legs have give. He can't get up. And then what you, what 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 are you doing? What are you going to do? Do you want me to get you in? She went, oh no, I've kicked the baby out the pram and put the dog in the pram. So she pushed him back, and then from then on, we just knew. Now we're just giving him a little potter around the garden, and he was fine. You wouldn't think there was anything wrong, but if you if you ventured out a bit more, it was just too much yeah. for him. And then you know you, you seeing what happened in the end is like it just got too much. For it, it was cruel to keep him. But alive. then that's different. That's a medical condition yeah, yeah. and a response to that. Yeah. It's not putting your dog in your handbag as a yeah. fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And frankly, my handbags are far too expensive for me to put any of my dogs in them. Are you? So my little much used bag for lives. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I would say Tinkerbell there. Yeah, you know who's mine with her three legs. If there is a reason to carry a dog in a bag or to put a dog into a bag or some kind of like carrying, you know, equipment, yeah. it would be something like that. It would be that you want to go out for the day and you know that the dog's only got so much of a physical capacity to be able to handle it and to help the dog out, you put them into something to carry it so they still get to be able to come out with you, yeah. but they don't mm. risk the, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the, the negative side effects of that. But other than yeah. that, no, not for me. Great icks, great questions. We love you and we love having more. If people have got some, how can they get in touch, Jay? Um, if you want to contact us on social media, you can go to at Dog Scholar Podcast or you can email podcast at thedogscholar.com. Amazing. And that's all we've got time for this week, I'm afraid. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have, please share this episode with a friend. And if they don't like it, maybe their dogs will. Danny, before we go, final thoughts. So in conclusion, I think it's safe to say our dogs are definitely trying to communicate with us, aren't they? But... Make sure at home you're taking the time to listen. Here, here. See you next week. Oh.